Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. Just a couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers, talking about Magic the Gathering, in particular, the online client MTG Arena. And today's episode is all about draft. Mm. What's on draft, bro? (laughs) The Brothers War. That's what's on draft. Uh, currently. So we are going to get all into that. But first, each week we bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right. We have a beer called Pilly. Uh, unsurprisingly, it's a Pilsner. It's from Mascot Brewing. Uh, and I like how they labeled it Flavorful Pilsner. Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. It is. I mean, they they added some dry hops to it, so um, there is like tropical citrus and floral notes. So I think that's probably what they're talking about with their flavorful pilsner. Gotcha. I don't think that's an official beer style. Oh no, pilsner. But, uh... No, that's all marketing, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they also uh, misspelled flavor, but uh, what can you do? No, that looks fine to me. Yeah, no, no. There should be a U. No, no, no. Just uh, just O is fine. Um, Flav- flavor has a U in it, folks. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we have some magic news. Explore Anthology number two is coming out next week, December 13th, and we have most of the cards spoiled for us already. We talked a little bit about this last week, uh, so maybe we should pick up where we left off. Jeff, you had uh, a card you wanted to talk about, maybe? Possibly. Yes. Um, I think <laughs> no one will be surprised to hear that I love Seder Wayfinder. I've been asking for it forever. And finally, finally, they give it to me. Now they had to wrap it in uh, a lot of Oath of the Gatewatch garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Seder Wayfinder, amazing edition. And I love to see it here. Any cards you're super pumped about? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Reflector Mage for sure, because I'm just really getting Ugh. into my Coco deck. So I'm sorry. I do. Yeah, that card's going to be great. If you hear a vomit off screen, that's probably, yeah. Yeah, but mainly the main one I want to play and I've been waiting for for a long time is Ethereal Armor. Hell yeah. Of course. Fucking yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so Boggles players rejoice. Or me, by myself, because apparently nobody else wants to play this deck. Um, but I'm excited for that card, specifically. I will say there's some cool stuff here, like Shaman of the Pack for Elves. Um, Eidolon of the Great Revel goes a long way for Mono Red. Like, Mono Red might actually be a thing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vault also goes a long way in that regard. Uh, then there's a bunch of Eldrazi that I personally don't care about, but I know people like. Well, wait, wait, wait. I will say... Wait, 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 wait. But you do like Eldrazi Displacer, though. Yes, Eldrazi Displacer. I think I've gone on record as saying it's the only card in Oath of the Gatewatch that I like. Um, It's a great, very well-designed card. So I I was happy to see that there. There you go. Um, I am sympathetic to the criticism that Explorer is meant to meet up with Pioneer. And there's a lot of, like, cards that just don't see play in Pioneer in this, Mm -hmm. so... It's a little bit like, what is this for? Like, nobody plays Thought Non Seer, Corsair of Crufix, certainly like Kozilek. Most of this stuff just doesn't seem like Clever Impersonator. Like, what is this? 
Um, yeah, so those cards are probably commandery things because Kozilek, the Great Distortion, Clever Impersonator, um, and um, Sliver Hive Lord, those are cards that uh, commander players really like and tend to be their people. Okay, um, but explain Dispel to me then. I don't know why they put Dispel in. Uh, that seems so weird. Like, nobody plays this. Like, you just play, like, when you play Dispel, it's always for blue decks, so you should just play Mystical Dispute. It's just better. <laughs> like, yeah. May, I don't know. Maybe it's just to Nobody get, plays Dispel. I don't know. Um, it felt I, like it was just like, we need to add another card. And also, it's like, what's a card that just isn't in Arena for some reason, but is like super basic or whatever? And Dispel does fit that bill. Yeah. Um, it's true. I mean, Rending Volley, it's like. Rending Volley is huge. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, I think Rending Volley is one of the big ones because if you look at most every deck list, that'll be played in a sideboard. It's like cheaper fry. So I'm happy that that card got added because a lot of, yeah, I think that will, uh, there are a lot of lists now that will look almost identical to their Pioneer list because Rending Volley is in it. Um, I think my criticism of that card is more that why haven't we just gotten another effect like this since cons? Like, why is this the only good card for what it does? <laughs> you know, like, why is it so necessary to put this card back in the format? Why can't we just have a card that does a similar thing? Because uh, that's probably just like the person who just built a paper deck spe- speaking where this card's like, pushing double digits <laughs> it's a random uncommon from like cons of tarkir it's like let's just uh it's not like this card is crazy let's just print of something that does a similar thing yeah or just print it again or just reprint it like like you said it, it has a generic name or whatever so yeah. it can be reprinted anywhere yeah exactly we were talking earlier uh before we started recording about oh uh, that was off yeah uh, about (laughs) reprints and about how wizards should be really conscious of the names they give certain cards so that uh they could reprint them easily in the future specifically talking about how the triomes are all very specific lands for the plane that they're on uh most notably like xander's lounge and stuff from new capena which makes it impossible for them to reprint them outside of those planes. Why would you do that? They also got rid of core sets, so you can't just... You could, you could normally just have right. whatever stuff in core sets. This is a great example of Rending Volley. You can put that in most every set. That's to- like... It can be whatever. And then generally there's like Soldier of the Pantheon, which is like... I get it. Soldier's new thing. But, but like this card just isn't powerful enough to make it anymore. Like this was good in standard... Theros, maybe Which this is a kind of sucks. card against <laughs> against like five color decks where everything is multicolored. Sure, maybe, but yeah. it's probably not worth it. So it's like these <laughs> these things are all super weird because there's some additions that it's just like, is anyone ever going to play this? Why is this in here? Yeah. Also, didn't um, we just get a card like this? That's the soldier that is protection. It's like a one one for maybe it costs two. So that's. The, the difference <laughs> right no maybe yeah. i don't even know if it called i don't remember what it costs but anyway um it has protection like, nobody's, from gonna, nobody's gonna play this and it's not like a cool card that you can build new decks around it's just like i don't know why this is here um but you know our, our philosophy we've spoken on this in the past our philosophy about these types of sets is if there's two or three cards that you are excited about that's a win like that's yeah. huge and, and so i do feel that way about this so Almost all the cards I want are commons and uncommons. Sick. 
Oh, yeah, another huge win, right? Like, yeah. this is not going to cost me any wild cards because I don't care about any of the rares or mythics. Yeah. I like the common. I mean, I care about Mutavault, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, Mutavault is what I, I, I care about. Mutavault. Yeah. But besides that. But I'm huge on Zulaport Cutthroat as well. So it's mm-hmm. like, yes, Cutthroat and Wayfinder. Yeah. A bunch of mythics I don't care about. Sick. Yeah. That's right. perfect. I don't care. Um, so. Oh, I do like Eldrazi Displacer, though. You're probably, yeah, you're probably going to build some janky deck with that. Hey, you know, maybe in the third one, you'll get dubious challenge. There's technically, if they're going to give, they're just taunting me, right? They gave me cutthroat. They gave me displacer. This is like so close to what I need to build a combo deck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just no dubious challenge. Come on. Yeah. Well, there's three cards left to be revealed, I believe. Um, So We'll see. <laughs> I would be I would be floored. I'd be floored if dubious challenges on it, but I would love it. No, what's really going to happen? It would confirm that Mark Rosewater listens to this podcast. Well, we'll actually know that if they send us dubious challenge to be previewed. <laughs> yeah. That's Dude, that was our preview card. Oh my god! Yeah, it, that's so you know you made it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that would be pretty crazy. But uh, too bad we'll never be uh, <laughs> given a preview card from Wizards because we drink too much beer. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it's worth it unless it's like an unset and they change their philosophy about drinking strongly i i don't think so i don't even think we could get an unset <laughs> seems unlikely yeah probably unlikely yeah. um unless they give us something like sacred nectar <laughs> or something <laughs> that would be pretty funny um oh, that'd be great but also just like please don't reprint that card <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway uh, so we'll see what happens when that all comes out. Uh, but today is about draft. So we should probably get into that. Um, Let's talk about draft. Yeah, talking about draft. Uh, bro draft, Brothers War draft. I want to start off by saying I have been doing fairly poorly <laughs> in draft. <laughs> Um, okay. I well, I did want to say that, like, since we last talked about draft, of course, of course, I immediately get a trophy with that freaking goblin that I was shitting I on. I knew it. Yeah. So the the one one goblin that when you if you sacrifice something, it gets plus three plus zero and and uh, um, menace or plus two plus zero, whatever it is. Um, yeah, that card. Well, you know, serves me right for for talking a lot of smack because it ended up being pivotable, pivotable, <laughs> pivotable. Pivot. Oh my god! I was able to pivot on it <laughs> in my deck, uh, and that ended up being exactly what I needed. Has it changed win. your opinion of the card, or do you still think it's overrated? I I still don't love it. But mm-hmm. I also don't see them very often because people are really high on it. So then I never really have to think about it. And I just Always don't to get me, to play right? red very often. Because Community loves this card. I think it's whatever. I just never play with it because... Exactly. I can't... Like, I would play it if I could get them late, but you can't. So right. there's just no... I, I'm not going right. to pick so that it's card. It's not like you think it's bad. You just don't think it's a top four pick. You yeah. think it's more like a five through eight pick. Yeah, and I guess I haven't been beaten down enough like my opponents haven't killed me enough with that card for me to think like, Oh God, I need to either deal with it or make sure I have it on my side. It just hasn't really been the case for me. So, um, I'm still kind of like meh about it, but 
quite if my only trophy is playing like red black sacrifice and that card was important <laughs> okay fine you said you you know the format wasn't going super well for you i will say <clears throat> official brag time i am 21 and 2 in this format oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but there's two takeaways from that one i've only played three drafts <laughs> two uh, I was in bronze league, mm-hmm. so results are not uh, super <laughs> fair. Like some of my wins were like my opponents don't have functional decks. <laughs> like, yeah, this is just like you you've played nothing, and then you played like a random thing that just doesn't affect the board at all. <laughs> yeah. I just attacked you three times every turn. My... <laughs> On turn five, you play a mind's eye, and it's like okay, it's stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. And it's just like nothing happens. Yeah, I totally. It's like, okay, well, I played two drops, three drops, four drops. So it's not, it's not looking great for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So. And I've played red all three times. I've play, I played Boros, Boros, Rakdos. So uh, um, I don't have a ton of experience, but I have done yeah. a lot of research. <laughs> I don't have a ton of experience, but I have done a lot of winning. <laughs> yeah. I, so, you know, it's just like I just win. I, I don't guess. know how what happens. <laughs> no, see, Jeff, I've been trying to play different decks. I've been wanting to do different things, and I can't. Thank, thank you for exploring the format for the sake of the Yeah, I'm wasting <laughs> all of my resources because I'm just getting <laughs> fucking wrecked. Because so our official recommendation is just play Boros. Um, yeah, <laughs> it literally is like play Boros or mono white because you might not be able yeah, to play mono red. color is actually a kind of a thing. I've played against a few decks that were yeah. just mono colored and it didn't look atrocious, right? It wasn't like oh, this person just crazy and was just playing one color. It's like, no. oh, there are so many artifacts that you can't, you actually can make this happen. Um, but I was thinking maybe we go over just like some overall things like do we think it's a fast format do we think it's like popper prints that kind of stuff yeah so what about the speed of the format have you felt like it's super super fast or slow or i hear a lot of things about how fast this format is and i don't know if it's just because of i'm not in higher tiers and people's decks aren't uh, like amazing Uh, yeah and streamlined But I have not been getting just steamrolled. Like, it doesn't feel like um, Amonkhet that was, like, blisteringly fast. Um, yeah. I'm not learning. I mean, losing on, like, turn four or five. That hasn't been happening. Um, people do come at you pretty quickly. But I that feels like every other format to me. Um, there are decks that are really fast. And then there are decks that are slow and you can't stop. So I've had several games where... I'm counting my deck to see if I'm going to get decked before they do. Right. Um, that has happened a lot. So it, to me, it just doesn't feel like that. Um, it just feels like a regular, the best decks are fast decks because they go under the big ones if you try to do big stupid stuff. So just right. make sure you can deal with the, the fast decks. Yeah. I, uh, I had a similar experience. Like I've been smashing people with fast decks, obviously. Um, but like I said, I did like research, so I've been watching videos, I've been reading articles, and like using seventeen lands, which you know we always talk about, just great data for this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, just because I don't haven't had like a ton of time to do drafts myself, but mm-hmm. I still I think the format's really cool and like want to do more and engage with it yeah. more. I think the reason we're seeing oh every, everyone's saying oh it's so fast it's so fast, is not because the format's so fast. I think the format for me is fast ish but 
like like you were saying, sort of like uh, below. Uh, sorry, I, mean, I was going to say below medium fast. Like whatever the average is, it's a little faster than that. Yeah, if that makes sense. For sure. But it's not. It's not like you're saying a crazy aggro format. And I think where this this is coming from is two things. First, there are a lot of aggro decks in the format, so. I would say Boros, Rakdos, and Azorius are all aggro decks. And maybe even Orzhov, actually, mm-hmm. can be like considered aggro, right? Like, yeah. And that's four out of the ten archetypes are like definitively aggro strategies. That's much higher than usual. Usually there's like two, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of mid-range, and then two slow decks kind of thing. So I'd have four aggro decks that are all, you know, spoiler alert, pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, makes it feel faster but also i think people just expected it to be slow because it's a bunch of big artifact creatures that's what i was gonna and say so the fact that it came in a little above average on speed took them by surprise and so it's always like oh man this format's so fast it's like it's actually just sort of fast but you were expecting it to be like a slow lumbering format mm-hmm. and so the the delta in your expectation is is what's making you feel that way yeah i think a lot of people were kind of expecting the prototype cards to be like oh i'm gonna shoot for playing the big side but i'll i will probably have to settle for the the small side sometimes when really it's like no the card you should play as prototype and then if you can happen to get you should evaluate the the card as as its prototype side Mm -hmm. because it's almost always played by as a prototype side like Mm -hmm. uh rarely do you see the the bigger one and power stones are obviously prevalent and they they do come up usually they throw me off with my mana because i count it wrong because i forget yes. what i'm trying to cast <laughs> so i yeah. i like Classic. leave up a counter spell i'm like i can't cast this because oh great I, power stones don't tap for that <laughs> um so that will happen uh or people will be able to activate their abilities before for I really think they can because I'm like oh fuck I forgot about the stupid power stone over there so um, that will happen but it doesn't feel like it's some of these decks that are like just ramping out these power stones and playing like giant stuff at you um, because the removal feels pretty strong and there's a lot yeah. of stuff that just gets rid of there's like I was saying like I've played another deck where I pack one pick one cityscape uh, leveler leveler and i had the same issue where like i get to slam it and kill one of their things but then they can immediately exile it or something i'm like (sighs) yeah it definitely suffers from the it's 10 mana and doesn't win the game it's only eight (laughs) mana (laughs) i know but like you know the the exactly oh right right, right. okay yeah yeah for sure it's a sorcery speed but and it doesn't say you win the game yeah it just says kill their biggest thing now they have to deal with this and then next turn, you'll probably kill their next biggest thing if they did destroy it. Yeah. The other thing I would say is, like, I think the community just spins slow to adapt to the new era of magic, mm-hmm. which is just faster than people. Like, so many people just have this idea of what limited is. And new age magic is, I don't want to say it's faster than that necessarily, but, like, getting to the board early is more important. Yeah. Like, two drops just matter. They just matter in every set now always Mm -hmm. and people are always like oh two drops really matter in this format it's like how long do we have to keep saying that before we just accept that two drops really always matter matter. yeah (laughs) two drops playing decks with you know a ridiculous amount of two drops is 
good. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you, that's who you win. Um, and I feel like people are always like, oh, I have so many two drops. I should take the three drop to fill up my curve. It's like, no, the two drop is always better. Like, yeah, play. Having eight two drops is never a problem. Having eight three drops can be a problem. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. The amount of games where I'm like, my opening hand is like a three drop. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm probably gonna lose. I'm on the draw, and I I don't have exactly in three. I'm probably gonna lose. And uh, I'm just like crossing my fingers that the first two turns my opponent does nothing. Mulligan. Yeah, because if you have your like mulliganing in limited, it can be horrible because right, it's so bad for you. Yeah. yeah, and and if you have your colors, you really have no reason to mulligan. It's like in, in constructive, when your deck does a specific thing, you can mulligan a lot more, right? You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I don't have the specific thing. Mm-hmm. Mulligan. In limited, it's just like, no, you pretty much only mulligan if it's like, this hand is cannot win. Yeah, basically. this hand has yeah. zero lands, or this land, or this hand has six, and the first thing I can play right. is like turn five. So, yeah, because every time you keep that hand, you never draw something you can play. You just draw more oh, yeah. lands. <laughs> Anytime I keep a land-heavy hand, land, land, land. Yeah, you're like, oh, fuck. And then the game's over. And then, yeah, because yeah, Jeff was playing against you and he attacked you till you know, you're dead. <laughs> I played a one-drop. And, and yeah, and, and, well, there you go. <laughs> it has first strike, so. <laughs> yeah, so I would say, like, honestly, this format's probably, like, medium by modern-day standards, but that puts it to, like, medium-fast in just in terms of how people tend to think about limited, yeah. like modern day always has relic like good aggro decks, and mm-hmm. this happen- has a lot of good aggro decks in it. Yes, uh, but they're also good slow decks. So uh, maybe it's just a well designed format. Yeah, look at that. Maybe it is. Um, but you know, with that being said, and me like sucking ass um <laughs> it's been fun as i say every single time because oh yeah i so fun i just love playing draft and i'm not at the point like really when my my like um attitude goes down is when i don't have enough resources to keep drafting that's when i start hating the draft format because then right. i build up resources <laughs> to play once and then i lose and then i get mad uh, ah, I blew it. That was yeah. my chance to like double my resources to get back in. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that hasn't happened, and I haven't had to put any more money into the game, which is always a nice thing. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that is good. Yeah, I, I was saying before too. Like, I love the flavor. So it's like I really want to get in and, and do more drafts because I think it's a really cool set. I just haven't totally had the time, but like the flavor is is great. Yeah. Um, and so beyond, you keep, sorry, go, go no, no, you go ahead. I was just going to move us to the next uh, phase here. Like beyond speed, the, the classic question is Prince or Popper. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you feel about that? Um, it does feel more so like a, uh, Popper set to me, mm-hmm. um, because there are like, there are big, uh, big bombs that are like you basically win but also a lot of time you just don't <laughs> like i've been playing where right. it's like I, I feel like i'm slamming the best bomb in the format like i'm playing this fucking huge thing that destroys the game or um people have played things against me where i'm like oh i think i'm gonna lose i'm like wait no i have ways to get rid of this and as long as i built my deck well there's like good removal and a lot of these like uncommon and common creatures like really their houses like you you can just really your bomb can be like an uncommon and that's usually what makes me feel like a popper set is the way to go or what it is totally i 
I was leaning towards Popper as well. Um, but it's interesting because I think some of the uncommons are bombs. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I guess we still call that Popper, but like there are bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the rares are very, very good. Uh, I think like a couple of the commands are like crazy good, like nigh impossible to beat. Uh, some of the artifacts like that uh, can just show up are like crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I kind of feel like this is just modern sets. Mm-hmm. Modern sets have very, very efficient and powerful like rares and mythics that are lopsidedly powerful for limited, but sort of make up for it by just having a high power level of commons and, and, and some really strong uncommons as well. So I think this is, again, like the quintessential example of like what a modern day popper set looks like. Mm-hmm. It's like you win based on your commons and uncommons. Sure, the rares are bombs, but like that's just how it goes these days. Like yeah. gone are the days where 90% of the rares were garbage. That's just like not the world we're in anymore. Yeah. So Which is um, good for everyone. Thank God. I think so too. Right. Yeah. But, like, I see people calling it a prince set. I'm like, I don't think this is a prince set. Like, it's just not. Like, there are a few really, really tough to beat rares, sure. But, I don't know. (laughs) That's just modern-day magic. Like, Mm -hmm. they have to print stuff that's relevant, and some of it's going to be really good and limited. Like, (laughs) what do you want? Yeah. Like, how many of these rares are better than the spider? The spider's crazy. The spider's very good. Um And, you know, a lot of these are also, like, you usually have to survive long enough for you to mm-hmm. be able to play your portal to Phyrexia, which is really bad. even then, it's, like, Titania's command is what, like, a few bears and some plus two, plus two counters? Like, it's not unbeatable. Mm-mm. I actually pro- you're probably gonna lose, but it's it's not unbeatable. Well, it's it's yeah, it's also not easy to play because I had one and still lost a lot. Where I literally, it's funny we're talking about these two cards, but um, I was literally playing against someone who slammed their Portal to Phyrexia on me. I'm like, great, okay, so I sacrificed three creatures, awesome, and I had Titania's command in my hand, so I exiled my graveyard so they couldn't take any of my creatures. Um, <laughs> nice. Which I was like, awesome, heads up play, and then gave myself some... Gained some life. Yeah, and so, so that felt good until I attacked into them with my, like, big trampling, like, 8-9 or whatever. And then they blocked, because I just forgot that they had the um, the rare, what is it, Lauren of the Third Path? Oh, yeah. yeah. So it blocked and died. <laughs> yeah. And then it came back, killed my big trampling artifact... And then they can take my big trampling artifact on the next turn. I'm like, oh, gotcha. Yeah, so I should have looked at your board before I attacked. That was my fault. That was I just completely misplayed this I don't know if I put that, uh, that loss on Titania's command, if you like. No, that was definitely, that was my fault. Yeah, yeah that was dumb. Yeah. I thought I was doing something really smart and then didn't think about anything else. So, right. Classic, I, uh, classic me. It's funny because when you mentioned that, I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Because the only thing I've ever seen Titania's command do is make bears and then put counters on everything. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I was like, oh, it can exile graveyards. Yeah, okay. Yep, it can. Uh, and that was the only time I, because at first I was like, oh, I'll just get some bears and make a big team and just fight through all the creatures they bring back. I was like, but my graveyard is the only one that has creatures in it right now. So maybe I should just get rid of mine. Um, I have nothing in there I'm going to use. But I was yeah, I brought up Titania's command because it was uh, instrumental in 
both of my losses. <laughs> uh, it's very difficult for an aggro deck to beat Titania's Command. But... Yep. Yeah, because it makes, at the very least, you know, two four fours. And yeah, that's like the worst mana. case scenario. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, okay, but yeah, I was playing it today with, uh, um, I was splashing for Urza, the rare Urza, uh, that gives all your it? artifacts plus two plus two, and that was fun because then all my artifacts seem small, and then I slam Urza, and then I slam Titanium's command, and they all get huge, <laughs> but then I still. Right don't have trample so i just sit there for a little bit and wait until i have a good time to attack Classic. yeah and then it still <laughs> didn't work so anyway um yeah <laughs> that's just how i've been that's how that's how it's been going how she goes yeah right? basically uh do we want to start going into the architect sure let's probably start with boros because we've been talking about it so much uh weirdly enough boros is an aggro deck in this format hmm that's yeah. so strange. You know, all these other sets that... I know. Like, what? Isn't it usually, like, recurring artifacts from the graveyard and carrying my graveyard stuff? <laughs> Lorehold, right? Oh, it's right, not yes. Holds, yeah, it's it's Boros. Boros. Right, right, right. <laughs> Boros. Um, no, Boros aggro does Boros aggro stuff and does it really well. Doesn't even need, yep. like, um, a big uh, pump spell. You still just get in there. <laughs> there yeah. are some, but... Uh, just doesn't really need it. <laughs> yeah, my advice for Boros is uh, try to put uh, small, efficient creatures in your deck and then use them to kill your opponent. Mm -hmm. uh, first Strike is strong, <laughs> and that uh, the combat trick that gives First Strike and Trample, um, mm -hmm. I, I like that card. Yeah, you, you always like the of combat trick that gives First Strike and Trample. Yeah, those also work. Because it gives both. You usually don't get both. That's why it's good. It is an interesting combination, right? Like, mm -hmm. first strike just wins combat, and usually it's at the expense of, like, oh, I'm not going to get any damage through, but, like, you blocked, like, a fool. And then mm -hmm. trample is like, whoa, that's excessive on top of the... Your creature dies, and also you take damage. Like Yes. Yeah. And my creature, by the way, totally fine. It survives. Um, so it is a deadly... It's not quite as, like... Uh, Ridiculous. Ima imagine first strike, death touch, and trample. Whew. That would yeah, be sick. a combat trick. Yeah, it's there like, you go. A one point goes on your blocker. That's enough to kill it. And the rest and then, on your face. Yeah. 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 It is, I think, worth calling out 17 lands data, you know, if you trust it. Mm -hmm. uh, Boros is the best deck in the format, has the highest win percentage mm -hmm. at uh, nearly 60%, 58.7. Now, the numbers, don't take the numbers too seriously. Like, the people who contribute to this website are all good players. So, like, every deck has above a 50% win rate. Uh, but Boros has the highest win rate. And mm -hmm. that is that is relevant. Like, we were talking last time about, hey, maybe it's just new format aggro decks, like, catch people by surprise or they're dirtling around. Mm -hmm. Boros has, like, held on and, yeah. and still shown that it, it's just here to stay. Um but there's not a ton to talk about. It's like just the good white cards just work in this deck. The good red cards just work in this deck. And then you're playing a low to, low to the ground aggro deck, right? Like, yeah. It's like the, the top six commons are all white and red um, for game in hand win rate. 
And so, right. <laughs> and, and the other thing with them is that the top two, which is scrap work cohort and scrap, scrap work, butt, are both mm-hmm. essentially colorless. So you don't even have to worry about your early plays, uh, hitting the right colors. So scrap work cohort is a four drop, but, um, it brings a body with it and then it has unearthed. So it brings the body back. Um, right. but those cards being like, you know, the problem with some aggro decks is like, if you're two colors and you draw the wrong colors for your early plays, uh, that becomes a problem. So if your early plays are artifacts, yeah, it doesn't really, it's not a problem. Totally. Yeah. And that's what makes this so strong, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, um, and you know, we talked about it, but I think this is the deck where whirling strike is the best. Like you want, I don't know. I would play two copies. The third copy I might start to question, Yeah. but like, I think two copies of Whirling Strike in this deck is is almost a no-brainer. Yes. Which is the, the first strike trample card we were talking about earlier. Yes. Let's kind of move on. What's the next deck you want to talk about? Uh, I kind of want to talk about Azorius a little bit. All right. If, uh, if that's okay with you. Uh, oh, Mr. no. I love uh, Azorius. I do. <laughs> I haven't really been able to, to draft this deck because it's another one of the ones that, like, most of the pieces tend to get all the good white cards for it get taken up because it, they play it in the the Boros deck, and then there seems to be a lot of like blue cards that go around that aren't really in this archetype. And so you just never. If I start playing blue cards, you'd be like, oh, sick! I'm gonna hopefully I can do the soldier thing. You can't because <laughs> somebody took it. Right. Um, even when I've started off in colors that I was thinking maybe I'd be going that way. So. Some of these flash soldiers are just a lot stronger than you think. Ambush paratrooper mm-hmm. specifically uh, gets you, and it is just like this imminent threat that when you're playing a bunch of like either the little one ones or other little uh, the soldiers that be you make them with different cards or you have tokens and things. Being able to pump it up is really helpful, especially with a bunch of random uh, power stones you get. Um, also, we didn't talk about this before, but white having disenchant seems pretty huge because that card is just a legit card. <laughs> like, you really want to have that because it's just straight removal in this set. Uh, and I Yeah, yeah. Disenchant's a lot better in this set than it usually is mm-hmm. in limited, right? So stapling that onto something is like, that's a power, it's a powerhouse. Because yeah, especially because most of the artifacts you're trying to deal <coughs> with in the set are huge. And so they tend to be the th- the one card that's stopping the aggro deck from getting through. So it being in one of the aggro or the aggro color really is helpful. Yeah. And I think it's like generally accepted that white is, is strong, but <clears throat> maybe not as strong as red mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, like obviously prison sentence is good. So it's yes. good here. Um, I think this set or this deck in particular you know, I love it because it's Azorius and it's aggro, and that that's so rare in Limited. Like, you know, we talk about it in Constructed occasionally, but in Limited, it almost never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some actual, like, payoffs for it. Like, there's Aeronaut Cavalry at Common, mm-hmm. which is the 3-4 flyer that puts plus one, plus one counter on a soldier. Even just, like, the 2-2 flying prowess guy. I forget, forget his name, mm-hmm. but, like... Card's surprisingly good. Just as a two-two flying, it's like a Windrake soldier, yeah, uh, with upside. <clears throat> Ends up being really, really strong. And then there's obviously like, um, 
what's the I don't know. There's like the Lord, right? Yeah, exactly. The uncommon okay, Lord the is Lord. just obviously the, what you're looking for for the set. Right, that's deck, what so. you want. And so I think they're like this is one of those interesting draft archetypes where some of the commons is like only you want them. Like mm-hmm. Aeronaut Cavalry is like Ella, that that's a soldier card mm-hmm. or whatever. You're not going to fight, you know, because the problem is white's pretty good. You might be fighting people. The only one who wants this is the soldier deck. Yeah. Um, and it has some like huge payoffs. So to me, this is like... And, and by the way, this is the second highest win rate on 17 lands uh, at uh, 57.5%. Um, to me, this is like if you get one of these payoffs early, then you start to keep an eye out because you know you'll get some of these soldier-based commons a little later. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, oh, ooh, I got the soldier lord. Or like, you know, it is worth mentioning, there are some <laughs> busted soldier rares. Like, if you happen to open, you know, Siege Veteran, it's obviously going to be good in any white deck, but, like, in yeah. a soldier deck, it's, like, especially ridiculous. Uh, or Mural, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, like, yeah, if you start with, one of the, like, one of these busted uncommons or rares that's so good in the soldier's deck, you keep an eye out, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I love archetypes like that because it's so easy to just be, like, uh, it didn't get there. I guess I don't play the, like, soldier lord. I'm, I'm white, black, or something. Yeah. Like, um, but the thing is with so the, I, like but that's still like a good card because there will be a bunch of random soldiers if you're playing some of the other things. I, yeah, but like, I don't know about splashing blue in the white black. Oh no! Oh sorry, sorry, sorry. The, no, if you, if you're specifically splashing siege it, veteran, yeah, yeah, you keep siege veteran in. But like yeah. the 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 white blue soldier lord. Mm. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Sorry, I meant more so like if your deck doesn't seem like yep, you're still in the colors, but you don't seem to have enough soldiers. And it doesn't feel yeah, like a quote-unquote no. soldier's deck. Still play the card. But no, yeah. you're not going to splash for the Lord that doesn't work with you. It, so. it might be worth like interjecting at this point, because I did want to talk about it. I have found splashing uh, like tough it in is, this format. Like you it's pretty hard. generally don't want to do it. Yeah. So uh, it has to be like a powerhouse. Is, is that what you found as well? I or? think I feel very similarly. Like I was thinking kind of with some of the prototype or the unearth things like, oh, I can splash some of these things. And if I get to unearth it or prototype it, great. But otherwise it's fine. And that hasn't really been the case. Um, most of the prototype cards I want to play that are um, like would want to play them for the other side. It seems like they have double pips. And so you just, you're just right. not going to be able to splash it. They, they were well. very like cognizant in their design of like, yeah. Not making them and swashable. Most of the fixing is in like the retro frame artifacts, it feels like. Right. And they're usually not great fixing. It's like pay two mana. That one crystal that costs two to play it and you draw a card and then you can pay two into it to make one of any color. Um, there are some things like that. So I've just felt like, yeah, probably not the best idea. Um, you You just probably don't want to splash so many things like maybe like I could play like Mishra's Juggernaut in a deck just because I want to have a, a big beater at the top and if I don't get to unearth it I feel kind of okay but for the most part sure um I'm I'm not trying to I'm not looking to splash really and, and I think that's the way splashing looks in this format it's mm-hmm. like you got to be okay with the card and there's like an upside and even then you have to decide should I play 
the swamp or whatever. Like, should mm-hmm. I play the off-color land to just in case this ever happens? Like, is that worth the times that this might happen where I unearth this thing or whatever? Is that going to counteract the times when I draw a swamp and I really needed uh, whatever island or planes? Yeah. Um, and I found, like, the reason I asked you is because I've won a lot of games because my opponents are trying to splash. Mm-hmm. And then what they eventually end up playing off there, they finally hit their land and they play their splash card. It's just like, was not impactful. It wasn't enough. good enough. Like, okay. Yeah. It just wasn't, yeah, it was like, okay, you played that, like, they just didn't equalize the number of turns that you were behind on board for having that in your hand. Yeah. So it's hard for me to assess because I'm on the other side of it most of the time, but it's been like my experience that like, hey, splashing is a tough and like generally not worth it. So like if you have a a super bomb, go ahead and splash. But like the format doesn't make it easy on you. Well, the other thing is like these formats where there are dual lands running everywhere and like, you know, go fetch a basic. It's not Dominary United, which is exactly what we were dealing with before yeah most of the right. fetching of the basics like we have the um bushwhack will help and that's usually when i feel a little bit more confident if i have a couple of those um yeah but then sure. I, I also have to know that if i'm purposely putting bushwhack in my deck to go get a land i need to not count it as much as a removal yes. spell it's Correct. mostly going to be <laughs> going to get a land and then i need additional removal on top of that so mm-hmm. That is important. Don't forget that card is amazing. Yeah, it's exactly. Awesome. It, but it's worth mentioning because, like, if your land, if your deck doesn't function without the bushwhack being an intermediary between your lands, mm-hmm. you you should not count it as a removal spell. Then exactly, because it's it will never. You think of it that. as like a yeah, a mana fixer and mm-hmm. not a removal spell. Yeah. Even though there will be some games where it comes in clutch as the as the removal spell because you. You just happen to hit your lands yeah. or whatever. And I do want to say I did misspeak. Energy Refractor is not part of the retro frame artifacts. It's just one of the... It just feels like one of them to me because it's just... Uh, Unac- unacceptable. Yeah, it's seemingly... You know I'm going to have to find another card. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> I just saw that as I'm looking through things. Um, Jeff, what's the next best deck <laughs> in the format? Yeah, let's just go by, by best, right? Um so the next best deck is is it? Yeah. So I'll admit I don't have a ton of experience with is it. I understand it's like an is it spells thing. Mm-hmm. It's like super common. That's what I. That's what it is. Also, haven't really seen it. I think maybe once I dealt with it, uh, and they had a Teferi, so it really didn't feel like a regular <laughs> version of the deck. Um, Teferi is one of those uh, bomb cards. Yeah, that it's very difficult to beat. So, and that felt almost mono blue anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And I, that was probably, and like obviously they like the prowess creatures because you're spell slinging. But I think I still think that these decks are really hard to put together in limited. But I don't know if it's just because um, seventeen lands users are more uh, seasoned. And so then the decks come together a lot better. I thought this was a lot easier to put together in the last format where you had Terror of the Peaks. Terror of the Peaks. No, no, no. Uh, Telerian Terror. Um, yeah, Terror of the Peaks is a very strong card. But <laughs> yeah, but not a, not, not a spell slinger. No. Yeah. Um, so I felt like it was much easier to make that deck then and other times even back in like Innistrad last year. But I just, yeah, I see the uncommon go around a lot. 
the one the big payoff and third path iconic mm-hmm. class yeah and i've seen that go around a lot but i just never feel like i'm getting a lot of the other pieces that i'm looking for for that deck and so it, it mainly the red cards you know because people are so high on like i thinking red is the best um i just can't the only the closest like spell slinging deck i ever had was ended up being a boros deck and it wasn't um it wasn't i was like oh am i splashing for the the third path you're like oh i have a bunch of excavation explosions yeah this is a really good like is it exactly it was so (laughs) yeah exactly it was so strange that it just i didn't end up getting the blue cards i was looking for but i had the red ones instead um which just never ever happens but um yeah, so I'd say if you're trying to do that, you might be able to get the, the uncommon. If you see that going around, then that's a, a good chance to be like, I want to jump into this, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's insanely powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a two drop that creates one ones sort of as prowess or whatever. Yeah, is it's crazy good. It's crazy good. Um, so I would just say if you're, the red cards are the ones that are going to be hard to come by. So if you see some of the blue stuff going around and you see that card, the deck might not be open. Um, it just might look like it. So yeah, is it works so well to go into after Azorius because it's like the complement of it, where it's mm-hmm. like white's strong and it's the same thing here. Red's really strong, blue's considered less strong. Yeah. Um, this, and I just want to touch on a point of yours about like seventeen lands players. It's not even just that the deck comes together for them more often. Like one way to think about it is they don't go into the deck unless it's there. Yeah. And therefore, like they're naturally going to have a better deck whenever they end up in it Mm -hmm. because they're good drafters and they identify that that's open. I don't know if we have this data, but I bet if you look at like how many times this deck was drafted in that win rate calculation, it would be less than the other decks because it's like it's just hard to get into this. It's a tough deck to build, Mm -hmm. but the payoffs are there if you can do it. That's what that data tells us, essentially. It's like, it doesn't mean this is an amazing deck and you should force it. What it means is like, hey, if you are confident in building a limited deck that is his at spells, which is difficult to do because there's always the balance of creatures and spells. Mm -hmm. How many of each do you have? It's very difficult to do. But if you're confident with that, and you feel it's open, like, it's there for you. It's worth that payoff. Sometimes we see the Is It Spells deck, and it's like, it's not even worth it, because, like, even when I get there, the deck is mediocre or mm-hmm. bad, and it's like, that's just too many hoops to jump through. Yeah. What we're seeing here is, like, it is worth it if you are willing to jump through those hoops and if it's there for you. Yeah. Personally, every Is It deck I've played against has been trash, <laughs> but that's not... Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't build a good as yeah. a deck. We're playing in <laughs> the tiers you're probably yeah. playing in too. Um, so I'm definitely not playing as like myth- mythic ranked players who are, who are building these decks. So that's probably mm-hmm. why I don't see it. Um, all right, Jeff, let's talk about one more deck before we go to a beer break. Yeah, it, Gruul is the, the next best deck. Um, more aggro. <laughs> is it? I, I think probably you don't consider it aggro, but uh, certainly Boros, Azorius, or aggro, and, mm-hmm. and now Gruul as well. It's sort of similar in that, like, it's what Gruul is, right? Like, when we talked about Boros, it's like, it does what Boros does. Mm-hmm. It plays small, cheap creatures, tries to kill the opponent. Gruul does what 
Gruul does. It's a little bigger than Boros, so it's like bigger creatures, it's more powerful, but it's still trying to get you dead as soon as possible. Um, so, And there's like, there's not a lot of subtlety here. It's, it's not like a different sort of weird things going on. It's, it's beat down. Like, cards you'd expect to be good are good here. Um, good red and green two drops are the core commons. I would say in classic gruel fashion like you want a giant growth or two yes um, or whatever that kind of effect right uh, obviously like there's a there's actually a lot of combat tricks in this format so whatever you can get your hands on them in gruel but mm-hmm. uh gaia's gift maybe uh, yeah epic confrontation I don't know if that, is that a combat trick no that's no, a, a, sorcery, it's a fight spell like, um yeah but i I do play green often enough because it always feels like it's open for me. Um, mm-hmm. And this deck, so I feel like there is a statistic on 17 lands that is saying that the uh, Aeronaut's Wings is wins quite often, but usually that's because you have one copy of it and it goes into a big deck like this where you want to attack with your huge ground creature. Um, and yeah. that's what gets it through. So that's a big reason why you want that so if you're playing this deck and you have giant creatures getting some flying in there is really helpful um but and that like accentuates the ability of your giant growth types effects because now they can function as kill spell like yeah lightning bolts spells, yeah. right yeah um, um which is strong and um mask of the jade crafter the uncommon that makes yeah. a big uh golem is strong um the the versatility of like the uh, gold uncommon is really great because it either pings off a creature with one power uh, is a three, three with trample and haste, or you get a power stone to play some of your bigger stuff, uh, which Mm -hmm. is the, it's interesting because of the uncommons, it's the one that doesn't feel like it has a good place to like nail down. Um, Like it doesn't say like, this is exactly what I do. It's a bit more like a toolbox which is usually more helpful in these scenarios, especially as it's coming on a creature. It's not just a random spell that sits your hand till the right time. Uh, it's still attacks and stuff. Um, yeah. I think a lot of this deck also is just, I would lose often to just... Um, just fatties? Baddies. The, what's the card called? The three mana three three. Um, that uh, when an artifact enters, it gets plus one plus zero. Um, that card being like... Oh, yeah. 3-3 three, three into 3-3 three, three into the wings and put it on and then one has flying and the other ones are bigger and I just kept having to uh, chomp. Perimeter patrol? Yeah, perimeter patrol. Um, yeah. It just... That, it, it, that isn't like a fantastic card but it reminds me of this deck because it's just like, all right, kill your blocker, attack you for three. Um, play this big beater, attack for eight because you have two of them. That kind of stuff always seems to... Um, come at you and the this deck is the one that if you're trying to race with them because you're like oh sweet we'll just swing back and forth that's when they're gonna slam the boulder branch golem and gain a bunch of life and you're just like all right well then i that then it's over as soon as you committed to racing them and then they gain some life either by that or they also have obstinate baloth at uncommon Mm -hmm. uh then you're like oh fuck nope it's over i i shouldn't have raced that's what i was gonna say like this is where i'm 
I've found the random like artifact fatties to be the most relevant is in mm-hmm. this type of deck. The deck that like gets you dead quickly and then maybe needs a little bit of reach and then it just slams a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Boulder Grand Branch Golem you've called out. But I've even like been I don't want to say impressed, but like semi-impressed with Rust Goliath out out of these decks. Yeah. Where it's just like, hey man, sometimes just it's a big thing and it's like, damn, that out. Well, because it <laughs> wasn't ready to beat a Rust Goliath. Yeah. Well, a lot of what will happen is if your game plan is soldiers, like flying soldiers, a Rust Goliath mm-hmm. says, nope, fuck you. <laughs> like yeah. you can't. And because uh, that card has reach, by the way, folks. Yeah. It has reach. And it's a 3-5 when you play it for prototype. So it's just like, oh, this is very... Some of my combat tricks don't even get me up to that. Like, it's... I'm right. having a... Because, yeah. like, if you're attacking with... Let alone if it's a fucking tent. Yeah, exactly. So then um, you're... you're that, it's just a lot better than it kind of looks. Um, so having one of those is helpful. Uh, I don't like having a yeah. bunch, but... Um, oh, yeah. And I wouldn't recommend Rescalath for every deck. But mm-hmm. for this deck where it's like you can get under them pretty well and then you just need something to punch in the rest of the damage it's pretty good there or in like a super defensive posture where you just need to not lose to flyers it it comes in huge mm-hmm. it does um also just like random mentions that are gothian opportunist uh i do actually really yes. like <laughs> super good in this deck yeah, yeah. just because being able to play to the board and get a three mana three two but then also getting a power stone uh, sneaky good. Sneaky, sneaky good. Right. This deck's already interested in a three mana three two. Mm-hmm. And then if you are playing Rust Goliath or a Boulder Branch Golem, that power stone's huge. Because so. mm-hmm. then that's the point where you're like, oh, either you ramp it out faster and you get your three five to reach trample earlier, <coughs> or you're like, maybe I can even get the reach to the ten lands, and or I guess nine lands in this uh, power stone. Hey, I have played against a properly cast Rust Goliath. <laughs> I still won because, you know, it it's, took them too long to get there. Yeah. But I, they have cast it. Yeah. Uh, so it will happen. Those things do happen. It's like Argothian Sprite, the two-mana 2-2. Two, mm-hmm. two, they can't be blocked by artifact creatures. Uh, it does have an activated ability that puts two plus one plus one counters on it, not just one. So yeah. um, that has got me multiple times where I continue to forget that it puts two on this creature because that doesn't – I don't count like that most of the time. <laughs> I'm like uh-oh. that card always throws me off for a different reason, which is that for me, like fairies always fly. Oh, <laughs> this yeah, thing just doesn't have flying. <laughs> no, it has that weird thing where they used to write it where it was like, oh, can only be blocked by creatures with flying and reach, but this one just right. can't be blocked by artifacts. Artifact, yeah, um, which ends up being good because a lot of the tokens are artifacts. So you're just like, tokens can't block me. Anyway, yeah. uh, that is the first five archetypes for the draft. But, Jeff, I think we need a beer break so we can refill before we talk about the rest of them. Sounds good. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener. But if you want to support the show even more, the Patreon, well, that's the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on your favorite co-host by clicking the big old buy Jeff a beer button. Or by clicking the big old buy Zach a beer button. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on which host you like the most. Or if you'd rather send us beer emojis than actual real beers, we understand you can join us on the Arena Regulars Discord channel. The link should be in the show notes. 
Okay. Bringing the the second wedge beer this week as we continue with our giant tap takeover of these two breweries. Jeez, it feels like it's been forever. (laughs) It's been a long time. (laughs) But not in a bad way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So tonight I have second wedges Blondale. It is their Elgin Blonde? Elgin Blonde. How much Elgin, is it? Yeah. Elgin. Okay, so Elgin is uh, a huge street in Ottawa. It's like in, in the downtown Ottawa core. Okay. One of the bigger streets called Ottawa. A um, couple of blocks from where I grew up. Mm. Um, okay. My parents lived just a couple, couple blocks off Elgin. If memory serves, and also this is all like through the grapevine, so I don't totally know... Um, but my understanding is that Elgin was a settlement for freed slaves back in the oh. uh, 19th century, like Underground Railroad kind of stuff. Like um, this is where freed slaves were hanging out. That's cool. <laughs> At a place called Elgin uh, here in Ontario. And so a lot of stuff in Ontario is named after Elgin because of that. Well, like a that. proud, uh, hist- proud mm-hmm. moment in history for it kind of thing fantastic love it um yeah this is also uh 4.3 percent very cool well thanks for telling me about that nice anyway uh let's go into the rest of the decks we need to talk about i.e uh not the four decks we talked about earlier um (laughs) whoops don't you mean five yeah yeah i said five but uh then jeff reminded me we didn't talk about simic yet and i just thought meh why (laughs) <laughs> didn't we talk didn't, didn't didn't we explain all of our thoughts on simic already though? i think people just know in general but um <laughs> it's not only bad but like we always hate simic so. yeah <laughs> we, yes so do we need to talk about simic i've been playing a lot of it but just because it's open because nobody likes it and yeah, it's open for a reason yeah it's not great uh don't love it so it's all the good green cards and gruel but none of the good red cards and just some blue stuff that does things that yeah meh yep meh yep that's how i feel about it as well yep so. perfect there you go. that's our that's our civic talk there now we go we're up moving five. on <laughs> uh it looks to me like the next best performer is celestia hmm. zach do you have a lot of experience with celestia uh i've played against it a lot a lot a lot i feel like this is the deck i run into Often, uh, basically playing a bunch of the cards we've already talked about and just falling into green. Um, but uh, we haven't talked about Airlift Chaplain yet, which I do really like. And um, most of the time I'm playing this, eh, maybe that's a white-black card in my mind. But um, this and mm-hmm. also the the Prowler, uh, I tend to really enjoy. Especially because the green cards, there's like the theme that's usually green-black is like have creatures in your graveyard. Um, but playing these together, you know what? I want to start up this whole thing again because I'm talking about two different decks that aren't even the one I'm supposed to talk about. Really what Celestia <laughs> is, is going wide with tokens like they always want to. Um, I did want to ask you what your thoughts on mass production are, which is the six mm-hmm. minute sorcery that makes four one, one soldiers. Uh, I played against this a couple times today and was doing like losing, but like, I was like, why am I losing? I think this card sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a 
mediocre. I was going to say mediocre. It, I think it's kind of a bad card. Yeah. Uh, except in... I was going to talk about it specifically in Celestia. I okay. think this is where you can take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. It can go hard, but you need like your, um, fuck the whatever the the Celestia Dude. like staple uncommon yeah, the yeah. one one that gets plus one plus one whenever an artifact creature, mm-hmm. uh, or puts a counter on, on somebody whenever yeah. an artifact like then it's amazing right because it's mm-hmm. like. Then, then it's pretty close to, like, uh, Titania's Command. So it just makes, like, a bunch of creatures and a bunch of counters. Um, so specifically in this deck, I think it's worth taking a copy and putting it in your deck. And it can be very powerful. I agree with you, though, that generally it's it's not a good card. It's, it, it's not like this goes in any white deck. Especially because white is so good in this format, you just don't need to reach this far. Yeah. You just don't need to put that card in your in most of your decks. You don't need a six drop. That is yeah. this. Um, right. Though I have run into this deck I was playing with recently that was playing this card. Had I've played against Quietus Spike so many times. Um, Which card is that? That's one of the retro artifacts that is an equipment. I think it costs two to play, three to equip. It gives the creature death touch, and if it deals combat damage to the player, it has right. their life yeah. total. Yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> which is the only time where I was like, okay, I don't even love this game plan of like, that all right, get six minutes. Yeah, yeah, make the one ones have a death touch, and then you know you have to block them, or you're gonna lose it's half like, your life. Fucked if you do, fucked if you don't. Kind yeah, of it's like if I block, I lose my creature to a goddamn one one. But if yeah. I don't block, I lose half my life. <laughs> exactly. So that was interesting um but i think this is card is a trap i think it's trying to say hey do you remember playing kamigawa limited and there was that six mana white spell that made three two twos and you get to scry yeah this is the same card it's not the same card it's not i i think so i think so too i think it's only good in celestia and even then like i could imagine that the best versions of celestia don't play it yeah like you don't you don't need to i don't strive to play this card so Anyway. Right. But I think it's not the end of the world if one of these ends up in your Celestia deck kind of thing. For sure. As like as like a top end. Especially if you have a couple because, of dudes. Because Celestia is, as you mentioned, like go wide artifacts. Uh-huh. And that's what this is. It's mm-hmm. go wide artifacts. Yep. Um, so it synergizes naturally. I wouldn't put it in... I don't think I'd put it in any other white deck, to be honest. Yeah. Just this one. I honestly like was a little surprised to see this... I mean, I guess it's mediocre. I guess it's mid-pack. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not surprised then. Because when I've played against it, it's always been like, that felt pretty medium, <laughs> like what my opponents w- were trying to do with it. Yes. Yeah, it all... Yeah. Celestia is not a color combination I'm trying to play in this format, so... Right. But it's like the best of the mediums, according to 17 Lines. Yeah, which... I don't know, maybe? It just doesn't even seem fun, so... I don't know. Maybe it's, it's not my cup of tea. I actually am a fan of tokens. I'm just not a fan of this implementation of tokens. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just not not for me. But if you love Celestia, like the deck is solid and if you find yourself there, like don't you know, don't shy away from it. Mm-hmm. But uh it, it's not a powerhouse. It's it's like upper mid pack and uh that that's that's it really. 
Yeah. You want less combat tricks, I guess. The other green decks, you kind of want combat tricks. I would say you don't want them as much here, like Giant Growth. And it always sounds appealing, but it's kind of weird that Giant Growth and Tokens decks actually don't synergize, mm-hmm. even though you'd kind of think they do. But a big part of Giant Growth is that you want to keep your creature around after the combat, and you just don't care about a 1-1. So it's like, you don't care about a a, hidden, a huge hidden part of Giant Growth, which is that your creature survives the combat. Yeah. Uh, and so even though it's always like, oh, it's awesome, like my 1-1 one, one can kill something, or can I have four 1-1s, one, one of them's going to get through, and I can actually get in for a bunch of damage with pump spells. It's a little counterintuitive if you haven't don't have a lot of experience that actually, yeah, like one those kind of one-on-one combat tricks are really bad in decks like this. Mass pump spells, yes, obviously mm-hmm. great, but one like one-on-one combat spells are pretty bad in these types of decks. Yes. Uh, perfect. Let's move on to another deck. <laughs> that I, yeah. Get we, out of here, Celestia. Get out of here. Um, we should talk about Rakdos because I'm surprised how low it is on this list uh, as far as yeah. win percentage because it seemed like one of the front runners like out the gate <laughs> enough that I hated one of the commons. Um, <laughs> and it's the type of deck where you have you know, good and cheap sacrifice outlets and, uh, like a threaten effect. So, so why is it not doing better? Uh, is it because people are privy to it? And is it because red is really strong and maybe it loses a bunch of the pieces? You like, you can't get all the good red cards you want. Like I was saying before the I goblin blast runner, I can't get anymore. So maybe that's, I think fine. that's definitely part of it. Um, I'm also surprised to see it as, is mid pack mm-hmm. because I think junkyard genius is busted. Like if you get a couple of junkyard, which is the red black signpost mm-hmm. uncommon, like it's insanely good. And it's so easy to win the game when you, when you drop this card yeah. and it doesn't die. So it feels very like Bane Slayery where it's like, if you untap with this card, you just win. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and when I played it, actually, uh, you know, I said a 21 and two, I don't know. Uh, I think you brought that up, but uh, yeah, I, I did go 21 and 2, you're correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, over the course of three drafts, that was 7 7 The 7-0 was Rakdos, and the 7-1s were Boros. Um, I ju- but I, <laughs> that deck had three Junkyard Geniuses, so oh, maybe, we shouldn't, yeah, maybe we shouldn't put too much stock into the data obtained from my 7-0 run. When yeah, I had, probably yeah, not. Absolutely ridiculous deck. Um, but yeah, it, it feels strong to me. What I'll say is like, generally, you know, Rakdos is, in this set, it's a sacrifice strategy. Surprise, surprise. Rakdos theme is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice decks are a little harder to play. So the win rate will naturally suffer a bit from that. But yeah, I think probably it's just that like, Black is not as strong as white, I guess, is, is what we're talking about. Like, we want an aggro deck. Boros is better because white is just a stronger color in this format than black. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure. But I, I was surprised to see it this far down the list as well. I don't know. It seemed really strong. I, like, the best, the, the only seven-win run I had was Rakdos. So I was like, 
There you, hey, both of our seven win. Well, well I was seven. Oh yeah, you thanks seven, for rubbing it in, win. Jeff. I'm <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry. I, I thought you said seven over. No, second, no, no I, I just realized. said seven win. <laughs> so wait, you have drafts where you don't get seven wins. That's so weird. Oh yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> um, so that was surprising to me. I, I was expecting it to be much higher because it's one of the ones that I feel is extremely powerful. Um, but and like sibling rivalries, uh, which is like the act of treasony mm-hmm. kind of thing, is actually super good in this deck, at least mm-hmm. in my experience. Um, yeah, it's super good. Like the Power Stone token is a really strong uh, addition, like bonus in this deck mm-hmm. because you sacrifice it to other stuff, and like you can actually make use of it outside of just ramping. Mm-hmm. So while the card looks a little weird at the start because it's like aggro decks want it and then its bonus is to create a ramp thing uh which is true in most decks but like in this deck you can make use of the artifact token that it creates yeah well i mean obviously it's gives a power stone because the sibling rivalry is that they're fighting over a power stone but uh yeah, I, I get the flavor <laughs> i saying like generally that it's not a good card it's like, it's like do i want to am i an aggro deck or am i a ramp deck yeah um, but in this deck because you can sack that power stone token to something like a junkyard genius um, or pendragon stronghold then yeah. that's uh, great ends up being a lot better mm-hmm. um and i even like yeah i like personally i like mishra's research deck or desk in this deck maybe that's just a card that i love no because we've talked about it and constructed uh but in this deck i think that's like that's where you want this card um because it gives like it's like this now you become this aggro deck with weird card advantage Mm -hmm. uh and that's always anytime you have an aggro deck with card advantage it's like very tough to beat Mm -hmm. the problem is of course like jungle genius and mishra's research decks uh, desk (laughs) every time are uncommons yeah. So maybe that's it, but like you know, it also has the best common in the set, uh, Goblin Blast Runner. Um, but uh, <laughs> is it the best, best in this deck? <laughs> Whatever. It, I still don't think it's the best, but I I, I do <laughs> think it's good. Um, it's very good in this deck, especially because yes. it's like you're sacking stuff incidentally already, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, I guess this. Like I've won, I won some games where I like forgot that this thing would get menace. Cause you read this, you're like, oh, okay, it gets plus two plus zero when you sack something. Yeah. Got it. And then you forget that oh, it gets menace. Oh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, and you're like, geez. But <laughs> that's a lot of damage for a one drop mm-hmm. late in the game. I, I still think it's strong, but uh, maybe it's not winning all the tournaments now that we have all these limited tournaments happening. <laughs> that's right. Um, I love it, but obviously I'm so biased, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like my favorite archetype. Yeah. Although I guess Unlimited, I'm just a Boros guy, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I um, will say that even though I went 7-0 with this and 7-1 with the Boros decks, like, Boros felt better. The Boros decks, like... Feel better. I, I think I had a crazy version of the Rakdos deck, mm-hmm. and I had mediocre versions of the Boros deck. And it was like slightly less powerful, but like similar, like in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so that leads me to be like, yeah, I think Boros is way better in this format. Even before seeing the 17 lens data, it was just like, I understand that my one Rakdos deck that I had was just a ridiculous version of that mm-hmm. deck. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, another deck I want to talk about, uh, Golgari. 
which mm-hmm. I was starting to talk a little bit about before with yeah. um, the chaplain. This was your your front program. runner coming in. I know you played that the pre-release. You're like, hey, Golgari might be a thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it is not enough of a thing, but I it's still super it's fun. Exactly mid pack as always. Way to go, Golgari. <sighs> but it has like the best. <laughs> gold uncommon it feels like it that's true that's true the Golgar, he go like the spider is the best uncommon in the set probably it, it's well it, it as far as like you know what it can do but oh, yeah this, if you were evaluating time. on just what the card does and not like the fact that it's gold Golgari. yeah where you have to play that color um right but <laughs> no. if you have to play Golgari, yeah it kind of sucks but uh, no. <laughs> no it's really good it's like like I'm considering putting this go. I'm considering splashing green in my red black sacrifice decks for this card in constructed. That's how good this card is. It's awesome. I love it. Um, yeah. uh, playing too much in the self mill thing can be rough, um, especially when you're trying to uh, make sure that you can get your reanimate spell. Um, you don't want to mill that over, and that just tends to be the thing that happens because this deck likes reanimating things, and well, you just happen to mill your reanimate card every time you yeah. try to do it. So always, yeah. yeah that's just uh, kind of. Do, how- do you ever mill the big baddie you want to reanimate? No, of course not. No, no, that no, 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 thing's no, no. never gets. No, you mill. draw no, that. You draw hand. that. Bet. Yeah, you draw that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you ever mill the reanimate card? Yes. yes. Every time. Every single time. Um, that's why unburial rights is like the gold standard for reanimate cards because when you Mm -hmm. mill it it actually gets better yeah (laughs) it does it too um so i will probably have to step back from me thinking that this would be a deck um though i do like it uh but i don't have a lot to say about it besides the the normal i think it's just one of those things like you get an early sky fisher spider Mm -hmm. the card is that good that you should maybe you should end up, and because flashing so difficult yeah you should maybe end up in gold carry mm-hmm. because but like other than that if you don't get a bomb rare or the or the spider or something this isn't necessarily what where you want to end up so it's one of those things that's you know keep an eye out for it if you get really powerful cards for the archetype mm-hmm. don't sh- don't like snub it away oh gold carry's bad but also you know don't try to like maneuver yourself in there without those payoffs because you're just going to end up with kind of a mediocre deck because like my rating on green and black is they're both mediocre colors makes me sad to say it but you're you're probably right um overwhelming remorse is one of those cards that like looks like it's a golgari card because it's talking about creatures in your graveyard but it's obviously just amazing removal so everybody's playing it that's Um, exactly yeah yeah um, like just five mana exile a creature is is good in limited formats at instant speed. But it's usually never that. It's always cheaper because it's never five mana. Yeah. Everyone plays creatures because you're playing a game of limited. Yeah. So duh. Um, I so, do yeah. like that they don't like stack with each other. Like because they exile, having a bunch of them doesn't make the next one cheaper, which I think is nice design. Uh yeah, but it wouldn't anyway because it, you're not destroying your own creature it's only uh creatures in oh yeah of course creature in your yeah yeah yeah. you Uh, know i stand by my comment it's still true (laughs) it's still yeah you're right it still is true Still true. but the exile is of course of course yeah is huge because you know obviously different unearthed cards 
uh, tend to be um, the thing. Right. Also, they're like I've said before in other podcasts, Orzov, which is a deck we'll probably talk about next, has a ton of mm. reanimate stuff. There are so many cards that get things back from the graveyard or put them in your hand or put them on the battlefield. Uh, it's crazy. So being able to exile things is huge because it comes up a lot. Uh, so up next, we're going to talk about Orzov. Hey, look at that. <laughs> wow. wow, so crazy. This is the one for me that I was shocked to see that this is one of the worst decks. I was too. This is one of my favorite decks. This is like the yeah, deck. Yeah, me too. I, like, I've never played it, obviously, but like when I was playing against it, I was like, that's kind of what I want to be doing. This is good. <laughs> like, And I do want to sit down and just be like, all right, so you have No One Left Behind, which is a great... Um, mm-hmm. This is like exactly the this is the card i want to see all the time and i tend to see it yes. and i pick it so highly but i know maybe that's our problem that's probably <laughs> what it is but reanimating a creature from the graveyard to the battlefield it costs cheaper if the creature is three or less awesome perfect for the deck that's exactly the kind of stuff you want to do emergency yeah. weld you return a like artifact or creature to your hand and you get a one one awesome i love that card um you're playing the other white reanimate cards because there's two of them it's just like uh, you get recommission, which gets little things to the battlefield with counters on them, and repair and recharge, which can't do creatures. But most of the stuff you're reanimating that's big is an artifact anyway. So, right. I just, I love it. I, and like, I love it. You know, the, the signpost on common Hero of the Dunes or whatever, it reads really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, when I've played against it, it's always been a little underwhelming compared yeah. to like what it looks like when i read it i'm like this card seems insane like you get to like reanimate it's a three two that you get to reanimate another creature and then also it gives it like plus one isn't this card ridiculous yes um but it's always just been like eh. yes <laughs> mostly because i'm like boros and you're already dead and yeah whatever and usually uh, the cards that you're bringing back like i think Best case scenario when you're playing that um, is obviously when you're reanimating things, you want them to be really big, but this one won't let you. And most of the three drop and under stuff is just not good enough. Um, Yeah. You didn't feel super great. The best card, the one that I liked the most was Airlift Chaplain, because then you get to mill Mm -hmm. more cards, either get a planes or another three drop into your hand. Um, And so doing that as you're trying to either... Because I was, like, trying to reanimate big stuff and also get all my little things that would fill my graveyard. So if I have a bunch of airlift chaplains, I would like that. And sometimes they're, you know, you're reanimating, they're getting counters and they're flying. So that was what I liked. And it's a nice little um, bump makes your dudes stronger. So that is also part of it that helps you just kill your opponent. Um, That kind of gets overlooked. Uh, when you're just looking at the card you're like oh you reanimate things oh you also make them bigger though i will say like i really love that wizards took the shot on this i think small reanimator is Mm -hmm. an awesome like really cool idea archetype and i love that they pushed it um i think the deck kind of suffers a little bit like now that i'm seeing the results and like trying to interpret them it seems like maybe it just suffers a little bit from like it works. Dr- I'm I'm the third best aggro deck or fourth best aggro deck if you count Rakdos and like uh, that's just gonna hurt you. Like you're an aggro deck, but there are two or three better, better options ones. for aggro decks. That's just gonna hurt your win rate in like any format, mm. regardless of what you're doing. Um, 
Yeah. Because, like, people are preparing for the good aggro decks, and then they meet you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, oh, I can push you to over. to be you. Yeah, and also, like, it works almost directly against, like, prototype, which is on purpose. Um, yeah. But sometimes there are those bits where you're like, you know, because I'm thinking about all my cards as the prototype card, I'm thinking that the combat thrasher or thresher or whatever is a three mana one one that draws a card and it has double strike but i can't get it back right. with any of those cards so i'm like fuck uh, now it's just in the right, graveyard because of prototype I, yeah and it's like i just i'm like damn it which which is a good thing um, but also sad yeah it is weird or not weird but it's like interesting to have the small reanimator like in the same set as the prototype yeah this prototype's supposed to be like hey i work well with reanimator uh, but not but not mana value based reanimator exactly uh, <laughs> but at least um, we have four reanimator cards so or i guess three um really and two of them don't care so eh, it's fine i still love orzop and i'm probably just gonna keep trying to draft it yeah so uh i encourage everyone else hey if you just like it just do it yeah. whatever it's the most fun although it is honestly it's statistically one of the not worst good games. yeah um let's keep rounding these out uh we still need to talk about demir and i think that's it sick yeah demir is demir is at the bottom i mean simic is the worst deck demir uh, demir is is worst if you you know consider the real uh pairs yeah Uh, (laughs) because uh uh, green blue is just not really a pair um and and for everyone's context like simic is the worst at 52 and a half percent uh, win rate and Demir is second worst at 54% win rate so yeah like that's a big jump like Simic is bad yeah <laughs> um trust me I've played it um yeah Demir the rest of them like Gorzov was 54.3 so like 0.3% off Demir like Simic is a percent and a half off Demir and Demir is bad you know it's it, we're talking like a full six point two percent win rate from uh simic to boros so yeah and trust jeff he's a doctor um that's right <laughs> uh i played my first uh few matches with this deck today i don't think i played a, okay i did i don't think i built a very good one um <laughs> but it was kind of fun doing the like draw two thing a little bit right but for the most part um it just feels a little too cute and i just can't yeah really get there um, though I mean, too cute is is exactly like my feelings mm-hmm. of it. I played. I have no experience. I played against it one time, and I annihilated it mm-hmm. with my. I had a Boros deck, and they were. I don't. I don't. I don't really know what they were trying to do, but it yeah. wasn't good against two drop, three drop, four drop. Mm-hmm. Click the attack all button every turn. It, it just didn't hold up to that. Yeah. Um, the most I had, like, in the notes for this archetype was uh, I love Evangel of Synthesis. I just think it's a cool card. Um, but also, I think it's Curia, which is, like, the sidepost uncommon. Mm-hmm. I also find it a bit curious that, like, this used to be a red-blue mechanic. And yeah. They, they're trying to, like, now make it... it a, blue black mechanic i think it, to me it makes more sense as an is it mechanic than a demir one mm-hmm. um but they did like there was some effort to flavor it in a demir way but i still think to me it just maybe it's because of my like history history bias where like this was a in eldraine this was a an is it mechanic mm-hmm. uh, 
it still just feels more like an instant mechanic to me. Yeah. But I like that they're like, you know, experimenting, trying stuff. Yeah, it it reminds me of like, it's really not that, but the, the flavor of it reminds me of like OG Ravnica when Demir was like, um, bounce your stuff, make you discard a card. Um, yeah, which I love, by the way, like mm-hmm. super inefficient removal spell, but like bounce your thing, you discard. Yeah, like, maybe yeah, you discard so cool. the card I just bounced. Um, it just feels like a cooler way to get rid of a threat than like, uh, oh, uh, destroy that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's um, I think I saw this on Instagram. It was like uh, lightning bolt, but if it was blue, and it's just uh, target like creature is put on top of their owner's library and then that player mills a card and that's <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I mean, you know what it is it's if it changes more zones mm-hmm. it's cooler <laughs> exactly the more zones that have to be uh, interacted with the cooler the card exile target creature at the end of turn put the exiled creature into its owner's graveyard <laughs> yeah <laughs> boom got him so cool but that's one of those weird things where like you think it's fun to design it and then somehow it's busted and the players figure it out and like create some ridiculous yeah. combo and you're like no i thought this was just a- yeah i just wanted to do something dumb guys. dumb and funny <laughs> but no yeah. apparently it's really good yeah. apparently it's broken to move cards between zones yeah because <laughs> i printed that other card that said every time you a card changes zones you deal one damage to your opponent or whatever I actually have this theory that, like, you could talk about a good card and a bad card, right? Mm -hmm. But if you want to talk about a powerful card, it's literally just about how many cards it makes change zones. And, like, how many... Oh, exile your graveyard. That's powerful. It just makes a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of cards change zones, right? Might not be good. I don't know. But, uh... I've always just like that's like my shortcut for mm-hmm. like is a card potentially very good? Does yeah. it make a lot of stuff change zones? It could be very good. I, I don't know how to use it, but like <laughs> but that's it could powerful. be very good. That could that could be good. Yeah. Oh man. <sighs> anyway, um, that's what we know about draft right now. Uh, I will say. There is a little bit of an Auras deck that I want to build sometime that's going to fall into <laughs> my hands. And it's probably Simic or Celestia. Um, or maybe all three, which will be really bad. Um, but because we're playing... Or, you know, maybe it's Mono Green. I'm probably trying to play Mono Green. Because we're playing Audacity. Love that card. We're playing Blanchwood Armor, which wheels constantly. Nobody plays Blanchwood Armor. And another card that nobody likes is um, the Honor Guard. Uh, uh, Tokamul? No, Tomakul. Mm-hmm. There you go. Honor Guard, which has Ward 2. Sweet. Nobody likes that card. Awesome. I need a, a cheap creature that I can put auras on that is a little harder to deal with. And the Thran Power Suit, which is the equipment that gives it plus one plus one for each aura and equipment attached to it. And it has Ward 2 again. Boom. That's the dream right there. Yeah, so I... <laughs> good luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's my only response. Good luck. Um, I have a soft spot for Blanchwood armor because oh. my brother 
and I's first text that we got, mine was, believe, believe it or not, weirdly, mine was like a graveyard-based interaction deck huh. that I got during Judgment. Weird. And, uh, yeah, and, I, and my brother's was just like a green deck, and it had Blanchwood armor in it, and he would always play it, and we were both like, this card is so, what does it give it? Plus like, the 11 plus, it's so stupid, but you know, whatever. Um, and so like, I usually won. I'm the older brother, so obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I just punched him if he started to beat me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> when he did win, it was always because of Blanchwood armor. So I just have this like picture in my mind of him playing Blanchwood armor and I can picture the art and like that old school card version mm, of it. So, so cool. Uh, I just have like that nostalgic attachment to that card. Oh, it's the only way I used to lose. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's coming back, baby. I'm going to make you lose with Blanchwood armor. That's right. Uh, now I'll be punching you if you play Blanchwood armor. So. Yeah, that's right. No, I'm going to be punching you in the face with my honor guard equipped with Blanchwood armor. Boom. I guess enchanted. It'll just be the instincts come out of me. You play Blanchwood armor, just jump him and start punching. <laughs> jump him. <laughs> um, but anyway, could be awesome. There's... There, there's maybe something in there, but uh, probably not. But we have a couple protection spells that could help us out. If you're playing white, you can play the Lauren's Escape thing. Um, I do love secret draft archetypes. You mm-hmm. know, when there's like something out there, but it's not... I don't know if, whether or not it's intended by wizards, but it's not like one of the color pairs, and it's not like obviously in there mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't know if this is that, Zach. It's possible. The- <laughs> There's also the aura Take Flight, which gives plus one plus zero and flying, and when it attacks, you draw a card, which is really important for aura decks is to draw cards. So I don't know. These are all cards nobody really wants. So maybe... And that, that's how those archetypes work, right? It's like mm-hmm. nobody wants these cards, and I, and I really want them. I can get them. And generally, in my experience, that's just how good... Like in the previous format... The mass red white pump spells were only wanted by the red white deck. Mm-hmm. It's part of what made the made the red white deck so good because you could just leave that and know you'll get it at the end. Yeah, and it's the best card in your deck. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe this is that. Uh, probably. I don't think so. I'll let not. you. I'll let you prove it to me, and then then I'll start drafting that deck. Yeah, I really want to do well with that deck, but I don't. Once you start posting a few trophy runs with these uh, mm-hmm. auras decks, I'll I'll take notice. But till then, I'll let you figure out the, uh, the yeah. Aura, I'm gonna waste auras draft yeah, strategy. I'm gonna waste a lot of time yeah. and a lot of resources trying to make that happen. But anyway, it's what I love. Anyway, Jeff, let's go to last call because I think we've said everything we can say about draft for the time being. Yeah, definitely. Each week, we rate the beers that we have drank on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, this has nothing to do with Funny what tier you are in currently. It's just a fun way to rank beers, so don't feel bad if we are talking about how horrible bronze beers are, because bronze beers are trash. They are terrible. You have to throw them away. You spit them out on the ground. They are not worth ingesting. Yes. Silver beers are just kind of boring. Really, there's nothing wrong with them, but you're not interested. Uh, macro brews tend to fall into this category. Yeah, gold beers are fine, but you won't really think about them that often. And then platinum, these are solid. You would drink this again. 
Diamond beers are exceptional. You love these and you bring them to parties and share them with friends. And Bithic, these are the best of the best. These are like, you know, what Boros is to draft. They're just like, this is exactly what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All righty, Jeff, we have some two uh, beers that would normally sound like they are very, very similar, but uh, are quite different. So, yeah, I was going to say, spoiler alert, they are not similar. They are not similar at all. Uh, but I know which one I want to pick for this evening. Do you know which one you'd like? Absolutely. Perfect. Here we go. All right, we go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Elgin uh, Blonde. Elgin Blonde. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Why don't we start with Pilly? Pilly. Which is the one I chose. Yes. Um, I thought this beer was decent. Uh, I thought it delivered on the promise of a Pilsner with slightly more flavor. Mm-hmm. Now, they said flavorful Pilsner. <laughs> I don't know if they got all the way to flavorful, but... It was Pilsner with more flavor than I'm used to. Yeah. That being said, um, this might be a, a hint about how I felt about Elgin as well. I didn't love the flavor that was presented here. Um, I thought this beer was... I thought this beer was like trying to do something cool, which is let's take a Pilsner, which people love and has that baseline, um, and then maybe tweak it a little bit, try to get something in there that it is a little more interesting. I don't know how well that idea works in practice, given, like, the people who like Pilsners probably like Pilsners, and the people who like something that is more flavorful like something that is more flavorful, and this mm-hmm. is, like, the middleman. Um, but uh, the reason I chose it is because, it, it, in my opinion, it delivers on this is a Pilsner with a little more flavor. Yeah. Um... Yes, I agree with you. It is a Pilsner with more flavor, but I didn't really like the flavor. It This has that kind of weird sock taste that I've talked about in the past. <laughs> okay. That I don't yeah. know what Z- it is. Zach's phantom sock taste. Yeah. yeah, it has like, you know when you come inside from the rain and you take your shoes off and then your socks are soggy? This is what that reminds me of. And it I don't like people that... Uh, I don't like it. Can't eat cilantro or whatever because it tastes like soap or whatever yeah. they say it tastes like. Maybe yeah. that's the thing. But I feel the, like the, there's something that's going on there. I, I don't know what it is. This doesn't taste like wet socks to me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've never eaten wet socks, I suppose. I probably I have, honestly. <laughs> Maybe that was my like undoing. But yeah, you, shouldn't, you should never eat wet. That's what we're learning here, folks. Don't eat wet don't socks. Don't eat wet socks. Um, but it's also a flavor that I get sometimes from like green teas that I don't like, uh, that feel oversteeped. Yeah, it's probably it like that. some sort of, it's a genetic thing like it, cilantro probably. There's I some don't sort know of if it is. I don't think anyone else I've talked to has had this thing, but for whatever reason, it reminds me of wet socks. And so I don't care for it. And, uh, we should get my brother cause my brother always has these things. Yeah. Right. We'll get him to taste it and we'll see if he agrees with you. Cause he's always think? like. Oh, it tastes like bubblegum. Mm-hmm. Bubblegum, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> or this like, and like I look it up, and it's a thing that some people taste. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, you just have all of the weird, like, genetic mistasting things at the same time. Yeah. Um, uh, so with that, this Pilsner, I'm going to go straight to silver. I don't... Uh, I'll drink you, yeah. but 
I don't like you very much. I'd rather drink, I, I'd rather drink like a macro pilsner and leave this on the shelf. I have it at gold. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> if you don't taste the wet socks, it's okay. That's good. It's much better than what I'm it, just saying. Like I chose it and I have it at gold. So maybe we can yeah. surmise how I feel about the next beer. Yeah, that's true. Um, so go to the, to the next be- beer, this Blondale. Um, mm-hmm. I did choose this one. I don't know. I liked it. It, w- it, it tasted exactly like what I was expecting. It was really sweet compared to the last one. And, um, it just felt very refreshing and different, different, sorry, different than the last one. All of it is in comparison with the last one. If I drank this yeah. first, maybe I'd feel differently, but because I was like, oh, what a breath of fresh air after what I just had to drink. Um, <laughs> it doesn't taste like someone has been out in the rain walking around. I don't know if the, shoved their socks. I don't know if the taste is exactly. It doesn't taste like sock rainwater. Like you wrung it out and drank it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize there was different uh, air, <laughs> different types of wet socks. <laughs> <laughs> it just. I don't know what it is, Jeff. I'm just trying to explain <laughs> what I taste. <laughs> um. So anyway, just trying to poke fun at you. That's yeah, that's that's totally that's the podcast. Um, this one, uh, I still don't think is fantastic, but I liked it better than the last one. So honestly, it's probably silver too, <laughs> because it tastes. You know, I can get almost exactly the same flavors from like a silver beer that's cheaper. But so it, to me, this one is like the definition of silver. Mm-hmm. It's like there's nothing going on here. Yeah, it's just boring. So I was silver right away. The other one to me, I, I think it got bumped into gold because it's like it's not nothing going on. They tried something. They did something. Yeah, like, you know they if they, they tried to if they something. try to do something and I don't like it, they straight to silver. And I I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm just saying like that's my rating system. That, I was yeah. like, you know what these these both suck. <laughs> <laughs> they both suck. Yes, they're both very bad. Uh, but hey, at least they're beer, so that's good. But they're not bronze. They're drinkable. I yeah. drink all of both of them. So. And for the record, we've never rated a beer bronze. Uh, yeah. I've tasted, it's tough to get into that it's category. Tough. Yeah, we've it's had really t- bronze beers off air. We've yeah. both encountered bronze And beers. we don't bring them to the show because we don't want to For have some to. reason. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> drinking that again? <laughs> By definition, is something I don't want to do. Though I do think we should bring some, uh, just to have it on record, hey, don't go I to think, this. I'm still hopeful we'll catch, or hopeful, hopeful is the exact opposite, but I still think we'll catch one in the wild at some point. <laughs> I don't know. That's the authentic experience when we're both just like, oh my God, this is disgusting. <laughs> That's true. Then we have to and drink some crazier stuff probably. So if, Right. If we didn't know ahead of time that it was disgusting, like it's a different, different experience. Yeah. But... Anyway, maybe that's my new goal. I'm going to make you drink some <laughs> bronze beers <laughs> and see if you rate it <laughs> higher than that. Mythic! Mythic. What it. the fuck? No. <laughs> Who knows? Everybody's different. It's totally fine. Um, yeah. But anyway, enough of that. Let's go to closing time. So you can always closing reach us. Closing time. <laughs> Oh, wow. What? Has it been like 50 episodes since you've done that? It's been a long time. (laughs) It feels like it's been forever. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. We're coming up on episode 100, so uh, stay tuned for that. But um, 
in the meantime, Jeff's uh, Jeff singing us, singing to us again. So yay! Um, anyway, you can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram, or you might find us on MTG Arena itself. We'll be under the username Arena Regulars podcast if you want to find me personally you can find me at zulberg that is z-e-u-l-b-e-r-g on twitter and instagram but jeff where can they find you best place to find me is on our discord my name is regular jeff on the discord and once again you should be able to find the uh, link to our discord in the show notes and i'm regular zach there too so find me there as well um also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify at all the places you're listening to us right now. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave a comment. Any place that you can give us feedback, we would love to get it. It goes a long way. It makes us feel awesome. And uh, so you should do that. All right, that's fine. <laughs>